Welcome to the Bible for Kids podcast with your hosts, best-selling children's author Amy Parker and author and co-creator of VeggieTales, Mike Naraki. If instilling biblical values in kids is important to you, this podcast will help give you the resources, wisdom, and hope to do just that. Now let's join our hosts, Amy and Mike, for this week's episode. Today on the Bible for Kids podcast, special uh, stay at home, safe at home, quarantine edition, uh, <laughs> we're happy to welcome Jeff and Abby Land uh, to our podcast. Uh, Jeff and Abby, if you have not guessed, are married. And like most married couples, they can finish each other's sentences. Uh, they just do it in writing. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. <laughs> Jeff and Abby have been celebrating Easter together for nearly 20 years. And this is important because their new book is about Easter. And they now include celebrating Easter with their four sons uh, in, in all the fun. And uh, Abby, uh, as one of four boys myself, all I can say is God bless you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what everybody always told my mom. <laughs> so Abby is an author and curriculum writer, and Jeff serves as the children's pastor at Sugar Creek, Sugar Creek Baptist Church in Sugarland, Texas. We like to start each podcast, though, with a Bible verse, and today's verse comes from Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's a great verse for today. Um, welcome, Jeff and Abby, to the Bible for Kids podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. So we chose that verse because it's the verse you began the way to the Savior, an Easter family devotional with. Um, uh, and before we get to uh, some of our questions, uh, why did you pick that particular verse from Jeremiah? Well, I think for us, it's just all about Easter is really why that verse exists. Uh, that Jeremiah was a prophet, and God knew that he was going to send Jesus as our Savior. And so he had the plans for us, and he also knew that he wanted us to have a future and a hope. Without Jesus, we had no hope. And so the fun way to start the book really was on a high note, start it with hope. We do kind of go into some further, deeper type topics like sinfulness and, and forgiveness and the need of salvation. And so, but we wanted to start with hope because really there's, there's reason for hope in the world today. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and we're going to talk all about that in a minute, but first tell us what life is like with four boys. <laughs> what are their ages and how does anyone get any writing done around there? <laughs> you know, what's funny is we were doing our devotion this morning and my son Reed, he's our oldest, who's 13 said, mom, how long did it take you to write this? Like, what did you do? So yeah. it's funny you say that. So he's, Reed is 13. Nash is now 12. Will is nine. He'll be 10 in April. And Tuck is eight, eight. years eight. old. I yes. hear, I hear the wheels turning as you're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just make sure you get those all right. There's <laughs> a question about how did we write the book? We may or may not have received a couple of emails from our editor saying, we really need this section. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's nothing like a, a deadline, isn't there? Right. <laughs> so that's so helpful. Um, we might need to camp out uh, a while on this answer, but <laughs> as a husband and wife writing team, uh, it, it just sounds that that whole dynamic sounds really interesting to me. How did the two of you meet? Uh, and was kids ministry something that brought you together? 
Uh, we met in college, actually. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, she, the funniest thing is, is that uh, she always wanted to be a writer and that was just never really on my radar uh, very much. But we met at Mississippi College and we uh, got married and kind of did our, she taught for a couple of years. I worked in retail and then I went to seminary and she furthered her education uh, and got a master's in English and higher education. So she always has had that bent towards writing. But I went to, we moved to Nashville area, Nashville, Tennessee, and I became a children's pastor there in Nashville and started writing for Lifeway. And uh, soon enough, they asked me to come and be an editor and, and work there at Lifeway. So it sort of became both of our passions then. Oh, so oh, cool. Wow. Where, where in Nashville were you? Where, where, where were your children's pastor here? At First Baptist Church in Jolton, Tennessee. Oh, okay. cool. Okay. Yeah, we're coming to you from the Nashville area right now. So that's so cool. Um, and so we understand that this book is a follow-up to The Way to the Manger. Is, is The Way to the Manger the first book you wrote together, or have there been others? And what does the writing process look like? <laughs> it was the first book we wrote together. Mm -hmm. We may have written other smaller pieces, but as far as the first book, that, that was our first book. And, and it happened because we were looking for a resource that worked for our family. We have four boys and they're very active and um, we needed something that would work for our family that, that wasn't taking too long, wasn't too detailed, um, where I didn't get frustrated with myself if I didn't finish every single day. And so we wanted something like that, that resource. So we talked about it and then it became something obviously that other people had a need for as well. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that what Abby said is so true that when we're, we're busy people and I know that everybody's super busy, but in our society today, people are just all the time moving and going. And so when you get into some of some books, uh, some types of devotions, you almost feel guilty if you miss a day. And we wanted people to know, you know, if you're making an effort to share God's word with your kids, be be excited about the fact that you got one day or two days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we really were focusing on. We didn't want to make anything hard. So when we were meeting with uh, the editors or the publishers, we were talking to them and we, we really wanted a, books that would be meaningful, but also were beautiful. And so we wanted them to be pretty because you wanted to leave them out. Because if you see something in your way, you're more likely to remember to use it. And right. So they, they, the books, we're so very thankful for the artists. They're just gorgeous. And so they really look good as a coffee table book. And right. so that was another thing is to try to make them like that. Abby, do you want to talk the, about our writing process? Our writing process. We don't actually do it with each other. <laughs> we, we communicate. We, well, we have conversations. Mm -hmm. And um, Jeff kind of maps out the scripture. And then we do, we do talk about it a little bit back and forth. And then we, we each take a part of each section and do that, but we alternate because I think it's important. You know, I am a girl and my husband's obviously a boy and, and <laughs> they, they, thank you. you're welcome. <laughs> you heard it here first on the Bible for kids. Podcast. We, you know, we think differently. And so we want it to appeal to both boys and girls. And so we thought having a mix, so we actually rotate, we, we take our subjects and then we each have a part in it. 
and then we we both read each other's writings and we share our thoughts on them sometimes a little more passionate than others <laughs> we make it through and we try to help each other and say well you know I don't get this the best people though that we work with are our children mm-hmm. because yeah. if you want to be brought back to reality you just read something to them <laughs> exactly see, they're the best they editors <laughs> yes Yes. So uh, an Easter theme book like The Way to the Savior seems to be a great follow-up to the Christmas theme, The Way to the Manger. Um, So for The Way to the Savior, from a big picture sense, uh, why did you write this book? The need. We saw the need out there. We we see so much focus on on Jesus's birth, but but what about what's next? Like we've, you know, what, what happens after that? And so we felt the need that we spend so much time at Christmas celebrating Jesus, but we want we want to grow. We want spiritual growth to happen. And so that happens, obviously, when when kids become aware of the need for a relationship with Jesus. Right. And so we're, as Baptists, or Abby and I are Baptists, we, we don't really follow a liturgical calendar in the way that some of other Protestant religions do. And what we wanted was to really kind of maybe teach people about the Lent season it's a beautiful season of 40 days where people are, are making a sacrifice, a fast. And so for us, we didn't really encourage a fast necessarily in the book, but what we wanted is to encourage people to think for 40 days about the coming of this, well, not the coming of the Savior, but the, the death and crucifixion and resurrection of the Savior. So that was our focus on that, was to kind of get back to that liturgical calendar a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that with the Advent, and now we're doing that with this Easter book because it's, it's important. It really is a beautiful part of our religion that we can remember who Jesus is. And talk a little bit about, because you're talking about, you know, sort of um, liturgical calendars and things. So talk a little bit about how this book is laid out. Like, what is the structure of this book? Right. We did five-day increments. So we did eight five-day increments. And we talk about different subjects such as hope, forgiveness, thankfulness, thankfulness. And then as we move into the end of the book, we went to Jesus's last days. And so right now we're on commitment. And so we had a good talk with our boys this morning about what it means to be committed and Um, Some of our our boys are, it's kind of funny because Abby and I are both, she's uh, more introverted than me, but I think I've rubbed a little bit of extra. (laughs) Um, And so we we can kind of talk to anybody and some of our boys are pretty, pretty closed off. But so it was good to get them to talking about what commitment is, what, why is it important that uh, you're a committed soccer player and uh, what that means and then how does that translate into why is it important that you're a committed Christian? Yeah. 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 And so, and can you tell us a little bit about, um, and you touched on this a little bit, but who specifically you wrote this book for? Is it more geared toward families or is it something that kids are going to do by themselves? It's definitely meant to be a family experience um, to do together, to spend a few minutes together every day, but it, it could be um, for, you know, if children, a child picked it up, I still think he could still use it that way, but it's definitely meant to be more of a family experience. Yeah. And Abby was talking to me the other day about her friend who was, she actually bought it for her grandkids and she had a copy of it sent to her, her house. And then also a copy that she had sent to her grandkids so that she could write, she could actually zoom 
a phone call with them or Facebook Live or whatever it is that they do, FaceTime. And uh, so she could actually do it with her on grandkids since they live far away and she could move through this with them. And so we thought that was a really good thing. It's definitely, I mean, kids could totally read it. The words are appropriate and everything. It's just, we would really prefer that families do it together. Yeah, yeah. and that makes a lot of sense. And I love that idea of buying one for yourself and sending one to someone far away, especially right now. It doesn't even have to be someone oh my goodness. far away. You can send it <laughs> right down the street. It's a really good thing. Yeah. yeah, so I love that. One of the things, uh, and you you, you t- touched on this just a, a bit uh, ago about the liturgy, and I grew up um, in the Catholic Church uh, with a lot of liturgy, and uh, I accepted Christ in my teen years and began going to an evangelical church uh, with very liturgy, very little liturgy. <laughs> um, and but I found as I got older, um, there were aspects of that ritual and lit- liturgy that that I really missed, and you know have since rediscovered. Um, can you talk a little bit about how, what you found in, in, in kind of following the liturgical Lent uh, calendar and, and the advantages of that for kids? Well, for me, I grew up, actually, Abby and I both grew up very Southern Baptist. And so <laughs> the idea of Lent was something we had never really heard of. Until- in fact, we, we learned about it in the first I really heard about it was when we went off to college, Mississippi College. And we had our friends from Louisiana that were that were Catholic, and they started explaining it to us. That's, That's when we yeah, were. Yeah, okay, I that makes the sense. First, the first exposure I had to it was in college when a friend of ours came back with ashes on her head, uh-huh. uh, on yeah. her forehead. <laughs> so, yeah. and you're like, you um, got a little something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really messed up. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. that was that was one of the things that we learned about it, but just through seminary and over the years, I've just watched my friends go through this season. And even, you know, sometimes I think that if you're not careful, you can go through seasons like Lent or Advent, just going through the motions because that's something that you do as part of your denomination. Right. And so that's why we kind of avoided talking about the the fasting aspect of it in this book because we didn't want them to just go through the motions but we wanted to provide them with something. So part of the fast, I would say, is just the fast of your everyday routine and and making sure that for these 40 days or as many of them as you can, you're going to do a a focused Bible study on who God is. Yeah. We really wanted it to be applicable. And so in the everyday, there's a cross-connection and in the cross connection, that's where you really get into that conversation. How can you apply this concept today to your life? Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that application really just helps to solidify those concepts in kids' brains. It's just part of the, the learning process. So um, so I, anytime there's some sort of really strong application, I, I think that just makes that kind of lesson or curriculum or liturgy even that much more powerful for kids. Yeah. And then when you're repeating it sort of year after year, you know, that just becomes, you know, much more meaningful to them and their experience as kids growing up and they can look, look back at, okay, this is what I got out of last year and this is what I'm getting out of this year. Uh, So I think, you know, going, going back to that calendar is, is, uh, is a really cool thing to do. Yeah, and it kind of creates, you know, another tradition on top of, you know, your other holiday traditions. Um, So I think we're coming up on uh, time for a break. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with Jeff and Abby Land on the Bible for Kids podcast. 
The Quiet Crazy Easter Day. Here's some fun for the little ones. Have you ever thought that maybe the first Easter wasn't so quiet and peaceful? The Quiet Crazy Easter Day by Jill Roman Lord imagines the crazy celebration that might have occurred when Jesus arose. A festive day filled with chirps and croaks, shouts and coos and loop-de-doos. Grab your little ones and learn how you too can shout and sing and spread the news that Jesus is alive. Available everywhere books are sold. Don't forget to remember. Ellie Holcomb's newest children's title, Don't Forget to Remember, is the perfect Easter gift for your kids this year. Teach them how to look around and find reminders of God's great love for them everywhere they go. And similar to her first book, Who Sang the First Song, Ellie has a song to go along with Don't Forget to Remember, which you'll enjoy singing as you flip through the beautiful pages of the book. Both the song and the book are available wherever music and books are sold. Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, is back. In his hilarious new chapter book series, 10-year-old Michael and his friend Justin sneak into the Dead Sea Caves near the archaeological dig where Michael's dad is working. Michael finds a couple of 2,000-year-old squirrels petrified in sea salt. Hijinks ensue as Michael tries to bring them back to the U.S., hidden in his backpack. What Michael thinks are just cool souvenirs may turn out to be something much more. The Dead Sea Squirrels series is humorous, fun, and filled with character-building lessons. As co-creator of VeggieTales, co-founder of Big Idea Entertainment, and the voice of the beloved Larry the Cucumber, Mike Naraki has been dedicated to helping parents pass on biblical values to their kids through storytelling for over two decades. To find your own Dead Sea Squirrels, head over to Tyndale.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookstore. Welcome back to the Bible for Kids podcast, and Amy and I are speaking with Jeff and Abby Land. So we were talking about um, sort of the traditions that this book can build, um, but there are also all of these great activities in the back of the book. Can you tell us a little bit about those and how those work? Sure. We, we really designed and hoped this book would be something that families use year after year that becomes almost a treasure to them that they pull out each year and um, and get excited about. And so in the back of the book, we have what we call memory makers, and it's different questions to ask the family, and there's plenty of space in there to write answers. So we suggest that you put the date and put each person's name and have them answer the question. So for example, it says, how do you know Jesus loves you? So there's some things like that in there, but there's also different things like what, what is your favorite activity to do with your family at Easter? And so our hope is that as you do that and you get the book out each year, you're going to see those questions. And, and hopefully from a spiritual aspect, you're going to see growth there. You're going to yeah. see changes and, and the answers from, you know, right now we have our boys doing journal writing and you can see a big difference between what the eight-year-old is saying and what the 13-year-old is saying. And so I think that's, that's a really special thing that we wanted to create. Just basically memories that, that you go back and see year after year as you look at that. Right. And even within each year, you know, the eight-year-old is probably learning from the 13-year-old and just his responses. So just that being together as a family just um, really, you know, multiplies the learning that's taking place. Exactly. And I think with, with the book, with the questions, asking them questions, you would be amazed at some of their answers. And we, we have found as a family asking some of these things that things our kids didn't understand or things that they wanted to know more about that I didn't think they would be interested in. And so really it's an opportunity to sit down um, 
put away your electronic devices for, for really five minutes or less and just spend <laughs> time as a family and, and talk through things and, and experience Easter together. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and in your family of six, um, what have been some of your Easter traditions uh, that you've practiced over the years? That's a really fun one. Abby and I love traditions. And so we want to, we want our boys to grow up and, and when they have their own families to say, this is something that I did with my parents, you know? And so that's even included in the back of the book. There's some questions like, what's your favorite Easter tradition tradition or what, what was your favorite food did you eat for your Easter meal? And so what we have always done for Easter is we never give Easter baskets on Easter Sunday. We actually give them either on Saturday before or a couple of days before so the kids have a chance to enjoy them, but then also so that on Easter Sunday, their focus is on Jesus and his resurrection and not on what they got in their Easter basket. That's, oh, that's a, great a great idea. idea. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Abby is a cook. And so there's several things that she's cooked always. And so she has a couple of recipes that she likes to use on Easter Sunday. And I would just say, even from the standpoint of tradition is, is creating those special memories each time. But here as a mom, we can get that mom guilt of, oh, no, we didn't get through all 10 things that we're supposed to do on our checklist of what we should do for Easter. And so for us, it's really about crafting a special time and asking our kids, what does, what does this, what makes this special for you? And so we've added to that. So last year was our first year in Texas. Um, we moved here from Nashville. It was last year was our first Easter. And so we, we started a new tradition. Something I'd never known about was confetti eggs. Do y'all know what confetti eggs are? Vaguely familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they are. I mean, I've seen yeah. eggs used in other ways, but I don't know what um, yeah, exactly. obviously so, like resurrection eggs and things like that, but yeah, no, no. So, so these are just like eggs and they have confetti in them and it's, I, I guess it's a regional thing and they, they, you go around and you crack them on your head and it's a fun little, <laughs> they're really like hollowed out eggs that have yes. been dyed uh-huh. and they have confetti in them and then they're covered with a piece of tissue paper and, and they, you crack them on people's heads. <laughs> Hello, puppy. We're getting we're getting a message from our producer Dan, who loves confetti eggs. Oh, okay. They really are so much fun. So he's from Texas, so we'll we'll all have to check out confetti eggs this year. I have not I have not heard of them. Um, Well, it sounds like a a great way to break an egg over somebody's head without the right, right, great excuse to do that. So, what do you hope families glean from? The, the Easter book and the um, the way to the Savior and and how do you hope they grow together from Easter devotions? We really want families to learn to study the Word of God together, and we yeah. want families to come together. We want I think that there's a lot of separation in our society. Even our church does a good job sometimes of of segmenting children away from the adults. And we need to be better about teaching families to study the Word of God together and just learning how to talk together again in the world of electronics. And I mean, we're guilty of it even in our own house that we would text our kids things like, it's time to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can relate. Yeah. (laughs) You know, instead of saying, good night, son, I love you. And we might just, so what we want is to increase conversation. Uh, Those, the more that you can teach families to talk together now, 
um, when their kids are younger, the better the communication is going to be as they get older. I think too, the more you talk with them about things, the more comfortable they are with talking to others about things. And so I will tell you where we live. We live in a, an area where there's many different denominations, many different beliefs and my children have had more conversations lately with others who's, who have completely different beliefs. And the more we can talk to them about what we believe and why we believe, it makes it easier for them to have those conversations then with their friends and give them opportunities to point them to Jesus as well. Yeah, it just gives them that language that just becomes sort of a second nature when, when they get asked those tough questions or when they see someone who, who, you know, needs to know more, wants to know more. So what, what do devotionals look like in, in your family and how they've been a part of your uh, family's culture and spiritual growth? How, how specifically do you guys handle devotions daily? Uh, it's, it changes, and currently it's in a different, totally different place. But normally in a normal school year, our kids, our uh, children are kind of, our, our mornings are pretty chaotic. So... <laughs> <laughs> so Getting four does. human beings dressed and out the door, actually six, right? But four. don't really work for a devotion at our house. Yeah, so no. <laughs> we generally would try to do it at night, maybe at the dinner table. It's a good time. We do really very much try to have family dinners together, try to sit at the table. Sometimes with our oldest son's soccer, he's not home, and so we'll have to delay it. So maybe it's at bedtime that we do it. But you just try to get everybody together on the couch and talk for a few minutes about whatever the devotional is. But right now, since school is in, in session, uh, we have switched to doing it in the mornings. And Abby's kind of been doing that because, well, now I'm home, but um, I haven't been. Right. I think we've just had to do what works with, for us. So to, to answer that, it's kind of been what, what season of life our family is in, what works for us at that point in time, because that's a big thing for me is, you know, every family has different needs and I don't ever feel like I'm the one to tell you, Oh, you must do it at this point in this time. I think every family knows what works best. And so for us, it has been evenings, but right now we're shifting to mornings because that that's just a better way to start our day at this point. Um, We have, while we don't do devotions in the morning, we have for many years done a special prayer with our boys every morning. And I think that's impactful. I heard it Um, I believe it's Priscilla Schreier talked about doing that with her boys. And so our boys know that we we pray in the mornings for our our teachers, for our friends, and we also pray for them to be men of honor, integrity, and character. So they know that that's a very important part of their their growth as well. And we've talked about that and what those words mean and how that has changed as they have grown up. It's so much a part of their day that they remind us if we haven't done it. Oh, that's that's really, that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember my, my dad was a military guy and would always leave really, really early and he would do devotions with us. Mm -hmm. I think we would get up at 5 (laughs) AM to do devotions and, and, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, I think we could, it would be nice if we were a little bit more flexible on this because we were (laughs) all so groggy. And I just remember getting that devotional wake up uh, revelry, you know, thinking, oh no, (laughs) I assure you so. Uh, rigidity is not yeah no absolutely I think that's important to be flexible on that 
So as authors here, um, many times when we're talking about our current book, we're either working on our next book or cooking up ideas. Is there another way to devotional that's coming up that's going to follow Christmas and Easter? And you don't have to give specifics, but um, we can talk yeah, about those have, next time. Uh, <laughs> we have about several in our head, actually. Yeah, we're hoping, we're, we're really looking for one uh, to come out soon. Hopefully we've got to send that off and um, we, we want to focus on the fruit of the spirit. And oh, so yeah. Our next focus. Oh, very cool. So, um, Jeff and Abby, uh, where can we find more information about you and your books? So, if you would like more information, <laughs> right now, this is kind of, we're in a new territory of the, of the world right now. Yeah. Um, and so, if you would like this book before Easter, then you should not order it on um, Amazon because <laughs> it's not going to get there before Easter, but you can go to uh, lifeway.com or Barnes and Noble or Target or Walmart. A lot of the, a lot of the retailers, uh, we have seen it in Barnes and Noble. We have seen it in Target and in Walmart. So you can actually go and pick it up, uh, but they can also ship it to you. So more information about us. We, <laughs> We really don't have a great online presence. <laughs> yeah, you, you and me time. both. <laughs> that takes time. Uh, yeah, like Instagram or Facebook or anything that folks can look you up. Facebook, and so I think and Abby Instagram. has Instagram. I'm, 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 I'm not a millennial, so I don't have Instagram. <laughs> Um, so we can just sort of Google stalk you, I guess. We can yes. find you on Facebook and Instagram. And it's Jeff and Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, Land. So yeah. thanks, Jeff and Abby, um, for joining us today. Um, and listeners, we are always giving away free stuff on the Bible for Kids to see how to win a copy of one of Jeff and Abby Land's books. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at The Bible for Kids. And you can always learn more about us on our website at thebibleforkids.com. So thanks everyone for joining us for another episode of The Bible for Kids. Thanks for listening to The Bible for Kids podcast with Amy Parker and Mike Naraki. Be sure to connect with The Bible for Kids on Instagram and Facebook and at thebibleforkids.com. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas for future podcasts. You can email us info at thebibleforkids.com. The Bible for Kids podcast is part of the Way Nation podcast network. Find more podcasts at waynation.com.